welcome indians to the second episode of why india will never become a superpower we ended the first episode a little contentiously with my mama uh, trying to rehash the issue of how casteism plays a role in superpowers and uh, we are back for the second episode with more ammunition uh, mama is joined by another guest today and uh, uncle if you would uh, if you could introduce yourself please go ahead so i am uh, dr santiago retired scientist from the indian council of agriculture research uh, that is my brief introduction of course i have got my degrees in molecular biology and molecular uh, so called the modern biotechnology so that's why my research career went on and uh, from that institute i retired my in 2011 now i am having a peaceful life peaceful healthy retired life at home peaceful healthy retired successful life uh, so to the perspective that you would bring to this uh, podcast would be one of an intellectual which is how i introduce my mama for my first episode and i have to tell my audience that you don't have uh the transcript for the or you haven't listened to the first episode as of yet so uh you will come in with your own fresh perspective and let me post you the first question and mama uh, is also here just say hi to our audience and uh hello hello audience. Hello, hello hello yep so uh, let me post yes. you my first question uh, uncle uh casteism what yes, is casteism yes. how would you explain casteism to a foreigner who has no idea what that word means casteism basically at least in my time we were not very sure what was caste in fact in the schools when they asked me caste i was not knowing caste i was doing i was a christian but i was not knowing but later they asked me so many questions i could not answer so i went to my house and got the form filled then my mother told me we belong to this caste so in those days casteism was not a uh, very prevalent thing now what do you say by uh, what do you mean by those days uh, those days as in what timeline those times say for example in uh, 60s 60s maybe in 50s and 60s okay at that time we really do not that is i did not know maybe others may be aware of it we are coming from the rural area we were not knowing that Okay. But now, even the small child in the school, he knows who's which caste he belongs. So that that seems like uh, okay. Uh, before I make any assumptions, is it fair for me to assume that you are against casteism? No, it's uh, yes. Basically, I am not uh, for the caste. Because okay. naturally, when you mingle with our colleagues and all, we don't really speak about caste, and we don't. Uh, but is a make at least in my time we were not making decisions on caste maybe we will be making decisions who is known to me that way, personal relationship not based on the caste at least that was my experience right. but now people are always thinking of caste and all the thing but that's a different issue but our perspective my colleagues and all the things we never made anything with caste caste orientation was not there only personal relationship was there so that's maybe our scientific community was like this right so it's funny that you uh, mentioned that you being from a rural background kept you away from the scope of what caste system and the shadow of how caste system manifested itself within the indian society i actually uh, coincidentally mentioned that my urban upbringing kind of shielded me away from casteism and in the first episode i also uh, mentioned how i actively avoided this topic and i feel like as students or as uh, intellectuals or as uh, people from uh, uh, regular society we don't talk about topics like caste system as much as we should and in my opinion the word caste system is uh, a taboo word but the there's a reason why it is a taboo word and i feel like it should permeate as a taboo word but it really isn't and like you said the indian politics is uh, like all democratic popula- uh, popularity based contests it manifests itself as a identity politics to me and 
unfortunately it seems that more and more politicians are uh profiling people and repre- uh picking out representatives for a populace based on their caste system so in your opinion why do you think casteism is still relevant in this uh time now at present maybe there are two things who is a casteism relevant suppose you really get benefits out of the caste naturally people will think that casteism is relevant but if you don't get any benefits as significant benefits out of the caste system naturally we don't feel that caste is very essential maybe due to that you know, the social compulsions during marriage and all these things you will look for the caste but the rest of the time for normal people at least to my view very, very rarely we looking to caste and all this but there are some real caste fanatics from the very beginning itself they will think you belong to this caste or this is our caste man and all so it varies from uh, situation to situation and from upbringing to upbringing suppose you are brought up from that so naturally people think that caste is very important is a part of my life suppose your parents are not that much uh, what is a uh, caste oriented they are not that or maybe little liberal naturally it goes to the children children also they are also not very much impacted by the caste that is my opinion okay so uh, your family upbringing and your value system informs your uh, relationship with this caste system but uh, if i if you could rehash is are there any pros what advantages do you have because you are from a certain hash system a uh, certain caste system are uh, are we talking about government reservations when it comes to government uh, job opportunities or services or educational uh, allocations or reservations as you call them what advantage do yes, i get that, for that, uh, go ahead sorry suppose no, i maybe say for example my caste has some 10% or 5% naturally i will be caste oriented i will start reinventing my caste so that my children get the benefit out of it see you see that so your reservation also makes you really feel that what to what what caste you belong or you become caste oriented because of the reservations but there are certain reservations because they say that government says or the policy they were down down for a very very long time to upbring them you have to have caste caste system you have to have reservations so that situation is different but by and large if i my caste gets 10% or 5% reservation definitely if i am my children are go school going or college going i will really go for the caste and i will once i get those things naturally i will become caste oriented for because of this reservation only i got it so the system also makes you caste oriented it is a kind of circle see it is a vicious circle this way you go that way you come so it comes like that so our system also makes caste permanent uh, inbuilt in the society because because of reservations are so many other things so reservation i i am not totally against it i am for it but the side effect of the reservation is also you become awareness of you have you become aware of the caste to which you belong so it is a vicious circle like you know i will say in india they will say very easily the prices go so you increase the da your prices your caste go your prices go so it is kind of vicious circle so you cannot avoid that so in india also this caste system is somewhat inbuilt and it is very difficult to remove at the present juncture so we spoke briefly about how there was uh, a movement in tamil nadu by uh, leading politicians where they diverted their attention away from the caste system and focused on dravidian politics and had a push to remove street signs with uh, caste names and also pushed to changing uh, surnames from family or caste based names to the father's first name and this happened for a fact in tamil nadu which is uh, one of the reasons why my last name is shaker which is my father's first name and uh, the same way for my mama mama's last name natarajan is his father's first name so at some point it made a uh, political sense to move away from the caste system 
why did it happen then why is there no political agenda which would and uh, yeah is there pros and cons to moving away from a caste system why did it happen then why is it not happening now See, as far as I know, because you know, as you tell them, that the uh, Dravidian parties were removing caste. So we also came into that uh, uh, stream. So naturally, when we move with the X and Y or something, we never really thought of caste because there is no caste tag in the name. So if it is Ramasamy, means it is Ramasamy. We could not think beyond that. So that system is really good. That really brought all of us into a society where caste was not very easily identified with a person. So if you really deeply go into the that, then you will find out. Otherwise, anybody on the road, you do not know who to who, who which caste you belong. So that really brings a social equality in the day-to-day life. Right. So why so was there... Way I agree that... So why was there a push for it at that point? What caused people to want to do that? I mean, any leader can say, hey, do this. Hey, you know, don't use the wrong way. Hey, don't drive your bike on the platform. But it will take a big amount of incentive for the general public to go ahead and make that change. What caused that? What is the dynamic that caused that major political action to materialize at that point? So maybe in those days, uh, that see, in that point, and at least we know only that uh, history of that you know, history with the Periyar and Periyar's movement. Okay, that was a time people were identified. So naturally, at that time, that is a pre-Periyar time, caste was very prevalent. So he took a thing. So names were uh, that uh, names were not having the tags of the caste. So we become all equal. Means uh, when in the normal day-to-day life. That's equal. So that is really very good because you don't identify a person with caste. So naturally, you all become equal and it was a real good thing. So maybe we all brought up in that system. So we really do not know what is the caste of my neighbor, what is the caste of the person with whom you are buying the fruits or buying the things. So that's a good thing. I think that should be the thing where everywhere in India it should be there. That's what my feeling. So caste should not be there. Or it should not be prevalent in your day-to-day affairs. Suppose if you go to NAR, everybody is identified with your caste, Trivedi, Tripadi, Joshi. Okay. So very easily you can find out he belongs to this community, that community, caste, or something like that. So that system at least not is prevalent in Tamil Nadu. So we feel caste is really pushed to the backside now. It's in the back burner, right. not in the front. So that way it brings social equality or whatever it is. So, I mean, uh, you cannot outlaw people changing their names based on a predetermined list. Like if uh, Modi decides and Modi thinks, hey, let's just add, uh, populate a list of all the caste-based names and outlaw these, I don't think it would be legal to uh, throw that uh, law on the Congress and have that passed through Congress. So obviously, uh, some political dynamic in the 60s in Tamil Nadu caused us to push the caste system away. But for some reason, like you uh, put very nicely, there seems to be a self-sustaining system where there are some perks to having that caste and holding on to that caste. One such perk seems to be the reservation system. What is your opinion on yes. the reservation system? Uh, would it be uh, would India become uh, two steps closer to become a superpower if we wake up tomorrow and uh, there's no uh, the reservation system is uh, you know scrapped. scrapped completely like how we scrapped the 500 rupee note. Modi wakes up tomorrow and he's like, okay, no more reservation system, guys. Dot full stop period nada. What is uh, what are your thoughts? See, overnight or maybe sudden changes, there is no caste. It is say that is not irrelevant because you are taking one point. There are so many other problems in India. So this, if you remove this caste under these circumstances, it really affects the rest of the people. But you should not say, of course, as you say, there is no more caste in the Indian society. But still there are some people who really deserve that. Uh, means that the reservation is deserving. So, though, you know, if you do things in isolation, really India will not become that superpower. India becoming superpower, 
you have to have policies see this caste is something which by abolishing the caste india will not become superpower first becoming superpower there are two things this is my feeling first as a citizen as a collectively we should have the urge to become a leader in the nation as a nation in the world that is the basic urge if we don't have the urge and uh, then it is a little difficult to implement second thing is our leaders i don't for so whether the present leaders or past leaders or the future political players they should help collectively the thinking yeah we should become a super power so first of all removing caste from the community removing caste and the impact of caste from the politicians is more important see they are the people who create so if they think that should not be eliminated from them rather than trying to eliminate from the community so if they are really away from the caste they push the caste and the as a back burner then india can think but it is not implementing just the putting on the people okay there is no more caste tomorrow you yeah, see that won't work first the leaders should be free from the caste impact and the caste uh, what is the ideology if that is there then it will work but it is uh, as a super as you say super power is very nice to hear but it will be very very difficult for us to me to be india becomes because you are divided into so many so many so many sub caste sub groups sub what is a region wise the political what is a uh, party wise caste wise region wise and this social economy what is a divide wise so these things are there so to address all these things yes suppose if we are say as the present if i want to become an institution head and i want first the naturally government has to sanction as a leader what is as a director so they are also there are also caste plays a role my community plays a role so that's why i feel rather than trying to abolish caste from the community overnight it should be removed from the political mind political setup if that is done yes caste can be removed very easily so one of the reasons so, uh, one of the reasons why i see politicians using castes or using a caste based representative system is uh, kind of one of the failures of uh, democracy in my opinion so in democracy it doesn't really matter how what your policies are it doesn't really matter what your reputation is or how your performance is uh, i don't have to be qualified uh, i don't need to have a political acumen or i do i don't need political leverage all i need to do is get that one vote over the other person and identity politics is something that is uh, uh inherently a part of how uh, politics is defined uh, when you take elections uh, be it a school election within a classroom or a uh, american uh, you know presidential election it ends up being a popularity contest rather than being a uh, policy contest and with that being said a person who you uh, feel represents you identity wise seem to be a better fit popularity wise so i feel like us assigning blame to the political parties to uh, pick a let's say a minority person from a minority populated area or a majority person from a majority populated area is uh, an obvious choice rather than them having to dictate how they are picking their leaders is that not the case so i feel like yes, uh, the thing is mm-hmm. i i feel like that is the society's issue and not the politicians issue of course as a politician i'm going to give lip service to whomever pays attention to me or whomever gives me the most amount of mileage if if i get more mileage bashing on uh, you know people from my opposing caste i'm going to keep doing that because that's how i increase my popularity but the mileage from the general society is inherently a value of how that society functions on its own if i say hey don't talk to that one person and people like hearing that only then will i become popular only when only that then will that idea you know uh, permeate itself within society so without the society providing the traction that 
uh, I think you understand the point I'm trying to make. So why is there room for this in society? Why is there a need? Let's uh, let me give you a pointed question. Why is there a need for reservation in education? Suppose, you know, if you say that you know, reservation is required in education for the simplicity, at least when we were taught, no, this is the thing. Say, for example, where socially suppressed the caste for centuries, for yeah, maybe thousands of years. So they feel that they have to really come up. So they were suppressed because of the caste. So to identify them, and caste has to be used to identify both. These are the people suppressed for years. So they should be given an uplift. So to remedy the thing itself, you need a caste. Okay? That's why I told you this caste is a vicious circle. So that is so that is one. So such a people overnight if you really say that, okay, now you're no more caste, so you don't deserve a reservation. Naturally, by till such time who are in a better position will all get the benefits again. So those really suppressed people will not get it. To bring that equality, we need some kind of reservation. So either economically or socially rather than caste-based. So it is very difficult to, in Indian society, it is very difficult to identify. See, it's very easily done, okay, reservation may not be there. If you are, you identify them economically. Economically, if you aren't identify, he will be a very richest person in that area. But he will get a certificate that his monthly salary is uh, 5,000 rupees. So you know our situation. So it is very, uh, very, very difficult to identify such backward people are really in a backward situation to help them. So our, our society is mixed with so many things for thousands of years. So it is very, if you really go into that, suppose you become a politician or you are an authority, so, okay, you give these people who are really downtrodden. How you will identify? It is very difficult. You cannot go to each and every house and identify who is there. So, you will say that economically backward people. So, you will ask a certificate from Tasildar. I may be a richest farmer. I will get the Tasildar certificate. So, my monthly salary is only uh, 3,000 rupees or 4,000 rupees. I have seen many cases. So, that side is very difficult. So, the easiest option is cost. To work out this, the easiest option is at least by birth case like this, like this, so he is eligible for the social benefit. So at this present juncture, avoiding what do you say, this uh, perks based on the uh, uh, maybe a reservation can should not be ruled out because that is a must. But the same time, how to work out the reservation or this is again you have to come back to the caste system. Economically backward is very, uh, it will not be very easy and it will not be very practical. So they feel, okay, let us uh, take the easiest option is caste. So that's why this caste and back reservation has come into existence and it is all linked so much, it is very difficult to, uh, let's say, delineate one from the other. So at this uh, juncture, I really, uh, very difficult uh, situation. Now, you know, every government has its own policy, the new reservation policy, old reservation policy, all these things are mixed together. So as an Indian society, the reservation is essential on one side and it is also bringing back bad things on the other side. So it is a, uh, my opinion, reservation is a double-edged sword for which you use that is the thing. But as a thing, so suppose if we say, to my knowledge, in the Tamil Nadu community, if they are really educated, it is due to this one only. So I don't want to cut back. So it is really necessary, but how to work out is the political or what do you say, the modern, you have to use some so, modern techniques how to work out who is really deserving this reservation. So, but it is a must to me to uplift the Indian society Caste, uh, reservation is a must, whether which base it's different, but caste based is the easiest option, but it, uh, reservation is a must to make almost uh, Indians somewhat equal. Right, so, but on some, okay, uh, I take your point, and I think uh, you uh, explained your perspective, right? You feel like reservation is one of the easier methods of identifying the people who need help, 
and you also seem to understand and correct me if i'm wrong that reservation is one of the factors i would say one of the major factors holding india back because people inherently are dividing themselves based on reservation when it comes to interview opportunities when it comes to uh, candidate selection in po- political processes when it comes to how do you grade a paper uh, grade a student's paper when you uh, you know the, you you name it I, in my opinion i feel like reservation is sorry the caste system is so toxic that it is worth the effort yes it's worth the effort to identify other ways of identifying the people who need help from social economic uh, you know uh, backward classes so instead of having a historically outdated uh, antiquated reservation system which is based on your birth i think it is worth the effort yes. to maybe look into your tax documents i mean we are living in the 21st century and we have so much information about us right now i am pretty sure that facebook has more information about us than the indian government but when it comes to uh, identifying or putting in the effort to move away from the reservation system it would add so much value that it's worth the effort yes no your point no it is also a little new to me and it is a more practical so we have other system as you told facebook and also caste need not to be in the play rather than that your economic status your status those things can be very if the uh, ruling community has the will to do it yes because of the modern thing as you told on just after it occurs to me we can very easily find out who really deserves the benefit out of the reservation so that way yes it is good but because as you have told this caste is an outdated thing so instead of that you use modern techniques so as you have told just now you told in facebook once you told it occurs to me that's a very good way aadhar and all then you have data based in other things without your knowledge which was character very correctly so those things can be taken into account to implement the social uplift so that's a good point that's definitely definitely i agree with that that outdated these things can be removed the modern things can be used for the uh, uplift of the community so that way it's but still uh, i feel such people should be really brought up see suppose you are running in the race or you are just walking naturally in a crowd if the person is not able to walk somebody either he slows down or he takes him up or pulls him like that so that is the way at least the community walks to your goal with the uniform some kind of uniform rather than those who walk fast they leave first and those who cannot walk they will be left to begin so for these things you use the reservation and there's a reservation as you have rightly told clean uh, up to be based on the outdated thing rather than use some modern technique of identifying who is the really deserving candidate yes that's a good thing but still i feel there should be some kind of reservation to help the people not based on the caste based on their uh, say real thing who really deserves it yes that's a good thing in a society so we always have that uh, who deserves suppose we build houses for the poor so you know identify the poverty line and do that similarly you do some other thing so that you always take up the lower down trodden people little up so that the equality comes in the society so, so i'm glad your point is real so I, i'm glad that, that we are uh, the... right so i'm glad that we have some level of consensus of how we are trying to help people out and i think uh, this i don't want to go into this argument right now i am very against uh, communistic principles communistic ideas uh, giving people handouts i feel like is uh, the worst way to try to help people uh but i don't want to get into that topic that might be a topic for another day um but reservations or let's call them scholarship right Let, let's rephrase them do you think reservations should be phased out i feel like when br ambedkar came up with the constitution his whole idea of providing reservation was this would be something that would be around for a few years and then we would phase them out so how many let, let's say uh, you are from an scst background or from an obc background or a bc background let's say for the next 5 generations or the next 10 years or 20 years uh, 
I'm going to give 98% to SCST, 1% to OBC. Just, uh, you know, turn the tables, make it like a 100% reservation. And then uh, where does it end? How, how many generations of education, uh, sorry, how many generations of uh, reservations do we need to provide until we move past this reservation system? I, I am fundamentally against the reservation system because of the whole fact that it is taking opportunity away from people who are, uh, you know, uh, academically uh, or uh, should, numerically or just statistically better. I I understand the need for, uh, I understand the emotion behind why we need a uh, reservation, but that emotion and that argument that this is promoting equality doesn't hold any ground with me because we are not talking about equality, we are talking about equity. We are talking about how much equity this caste of people or how much equity, let, we've moved away from caste, let's move away from caste. How much equity this social group has versus how much equity this other social group has. Why do you think it is fundamentally uh, so important uh, to provide handouts? Uh, first question, as you have told, this reservation or the whatever that uh, reservation in whatever social reservation, whichever way it is, it should not be permanent. It should be really phased out. That is, uh, that's a fact which we all, agree, at least I agree, and it should not be permanent and it should be phased out, number one. Number two, as you have told, we should not, we should really develop that, inculcate the thing in the people that we, you know, we should not always look for the handouts from the government and all this. Rather than that, you know, we should not really, uh, our mind should not be there, oh, this government has come, so we will get all these freebies. So that should not be the case. It should be removed from the mind. Third thing is, so these politicians, as you have told, they also have, you know, because they wanted to identify, they, as you tell it is a vote politics. So they only will say, as you have told, you know, this is a community here, this is my people, so these are the things. So they will only do the thing. So these three things, first of all, number one, yes, slowly. Second thing is, then, develop the habit of not expecting freebies from the government or this one. Third thing is, the political parties are who are going to become rulers, they should not buy the votes or get the votes based on this, based on dividing the people on the caste or whatever it is. So if these three things work together, and as you have told, who really wants to get that, what's a, uh, not benefit, wants the help from the government based on their economic status and whatever it is. All these four things put together and they work. There is somebody who really take the will to do these things. Naturally, as you have told, this caste system, the reservation-based system can be removed and then it will become like any other, say, for example, as you say, very easily say, Western society. If you deserve, you are eligible, yes, you will be promoted. If you deserve among the 10 people, these are the 10 people who have come first, they will be selected. So that thing will come one day. But for this, you need these three or four things work in combination. Then only it is possible, at least to me, my, because my political knowledge is always little limited. So with these things put together synergetically, you can really face of the reservation and caste system also. And you will become a, a society like any other uh, say Western society where right. people are, uh, say, your, uh, what is say, your ability and your capacity is always playing the role to get a job or whatever it is. So, so that should come. That's my... So you are all for the move away from reservation to a capacity or ability-based uh, uh, test versus an ability-based, uh, sorry, reservation-based test. But you also kind of mentioned that there is a need for reservation. So uh, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, does that uh, stem from the fact that there is so much inequality within the Indian society? Maybe you can expand on that a little bit more. Why do you think there is a need for reservation right now? I think we've moved past the point where uh, reservations are needed based on caste. Let's say economic, forget about social, right? Why do you think there's a need for a reservation based on economic conditions? Right. Uh, see, the thing, my, 
called when i told that you know reservation i am for reservation and when i talked i am talking i kept in mind the present situation of india so on this juncture it is required but as you have told you know you gave three four points you know so why is it needed now so no no let's circle back why is it needed right now right now because that see the society it is now highly unequal highly downtrodden society so at this juncture it is required but as you have moved say when you are slowly moving to economic situation and it is a genuine thing of judging one person's economic ability or this one then yes i am not for that but you know for example i will give you a simple example maybe i am talking too much see suppose i am belonging to bsa for example reserved caste okay now i have become an ias officer my son see when i become an ias officer you see my family is really in the high level right but still my son gets that uh, uh, that reservation and when he goes to hostel he still gets a fellowship see this is definitely it's not good right, right. did you understand what right. i mean yep so there's see, accumulated am, equity which is uh, a result of the uh, standardized uh, reservation system so uh, let me rephrase oh, that question uh, okay continuously so that's why i told this economy based reservation is really one alternative but as you told in the long run that also have to be removed because once the society is really free and it is for ability and all the things then these things doesn't require but definitely in a society who are having better capacity to do they always come up in the society that you know this is the society structure right. so if i am very eligible very smart man i become first right. so naturally that there are other people that think that they are bad but they become second right. third fourth hundred so it will be in the inherent in the society all cannot be equal but chances should be given to your capacity that is my and that will take some time right. but at present maybe india is not mature enough to have it or is not prepared uh, socially or structurally enough to uh, do away with reservation immediately maybe not overnight maybe maybe as you have told maybe one generation so if you really constantly work that work for that uh, india can be very easily casteless uh, what is a reservation less society right so That's my view so your view or uh, i feel like you're picturizing this as a india problem or a indian culture problem because uh this ha- this is an idea that has been rehashed over centuries by the uh you know the british raj and every congress government ever since that so this has just been something that has been rehashed into indian culture uh let me uh present you with the situation that i presented mama in my previous episode in a classroom situation yes. or in a workplace or a uh, professional workplace situation there is not much room for discrimination or uh, you know opportunities which are taken away from people based on a caste based system i feel like one of the reasons why this is uh not as prevalent let's say in a classroom is because everybody has the same uniform everybody has the same badge everybody has the same notebook there is no resource problem so we are not going to solve a resource problem from on a economic scale for a country as large as india and if anyone were to provide an argument that we have a opportunity problem i i would uh, direct them to look at india's buying power india has the world's second largest buying power china is number 1 india is number 2 and america is number 3 which means that there's so much market for people to utilize so is it a india as a indian culture problem or is it a india indian uh, economic resource problem where we don't have as many resources to uh, allocate so we just got to you know keep doing reservation for a few years until we uh, roll that out or close that out so what is your opinion so in india as you have told resource problem is not a serious problem for the population suppose for example america it is maybe 32 or 35 crores so china is more than at least india is more than 130 crores among the 130 crores 25% are very bad still how much you come it becomes more than 
does not have an opportunity problem or a resource problem it's more about a cultural problem where indians are used to having this reservation system and if i were to make a comparison it would be like a recovering athlete who's gotten so much used to using crutches that he doesn't want to kick those away so i i feel like it's about time that we kick them away and move in dive dive into the deep end forget about reservations forget about uh handouts forget about freebies so is it the inherent friction of making such a fundamental change the only thing stopping india from moving away from the caste system the friction of going through that change as you have told you know we are used to certain comforts right yep so as you have told you know, an athlete used to work this one so okay so we are used to certain uh, what is a comforts based on our caste or whatever it is so to if you take it away from me definitely i will feel oh i will not be able to do anything oh this is removed so that's a psychological problem but if you overcome that to say after sometimes it's like corona people will start how can i live in the house without going out now it has come this is not at all a problem so you can very happily stay at home you need not to go out so it is a question of you were you were what say used to certain uh, comforts so we always very what uh, say uh, find it very difficult to part away with but if yes, uh, something is forced on us to part away with it in the beginning we will feel something then afterwards it will become a routine like we won't even bother that there was some Uh, comfort was existing like that so we will try, try to find out our own way to live a comfortable life so as you have told we are used to certain things you are it's just like bottle feeding you know so you are used to that means people would like to uh, very easily children will they try to in that is a very comfortable thing but only remove it in a way they will find it little difficult to this one afterwards they will be used to hard food so it is exactly like this. how much you are used to certain good things are bad things to part away with it will be always difficult but somewhere sometime you have to make a hard decision 
that somewhere somehow when is the question so that only you have to really study carefully and do it and as you have told doing away with this reservations cost based things and even economy based things is not very difficult but it is how to do it and how delicately you have to match all these things and do it naturally maybe as you have told maybe 15 years 20 years you can do it and india will become like any other country based on that opportunities and based on your capacity it is a society but to such time you should have a political will to do it and you know if you are really working out how i win all using all these things only i can win means then it won't work it will be a continuous perpetuous process but you have to make some hard decisions in the right way and implement it properly with making proper adjustments then definitely as you have told we will be able to get a costless and it's a undivided society it is only based on variability so that is not a you need a political will and the will from the common man also but any decisions will be hard to start with but it is not impossible it is always possible to do it right uh, I, i think i have to agree with you 100% um i feel like one of the few issues that we have not spoken about is the fact that india is not a monolithic society like uh, most cultures if you look at germany it's populated by germans who are mostly not, uh people of aryan descent and people of polish descent if you look at uh, arabic countries it would be almost monolithic where it would be people of arabic descent japan japanese descent so is our populace or the fact that india was broken up into so many kingdoms and sub kingdoms and it was the british raj who made or invented this uh, india factorial uh, for the east indian company and for the future british raj that is causing an issue because india was never india problem obviously we understand is a problem and we this is something that we've reached a consensus on the fact that this is something that we're going to have to move away from there is a reason why this problem appeared in india and continues to persist in india so i was presenting the idea that india is a artificial artifact that is left behind from the british raj because before india was india india was a, a conglomeration of a million different kingdoms of mil- million different uh, tiny nations pretty much and each kingdom would have their own rule or their own language sometimes culture. their own culture their own uh, habits their own uh, their own ecosystem of how they would uh, prevail and with us being a amalgamation or a melting pot of different cultures and different uh, people of different races the muslims take uh, the muslim invaders taking over uh, during a certain period of time the gupta empire the empires from the south that expanded out to the southeast asian countries so is the problem india the concept of india or is the problem where did this come from why is this still continuing why are we so against moving away from this is it an indian identity issue and very correctly india the so called the, the new nomenclature is a, a mixture of so many ethnic communities ethnic community i mean it is not a simple word see inherently a tamilian or say for i can say because i am tamilian i can talk tamilian is different from a keralite a keralite is different from a mp man and mp fellow is different from a up man so our up man is different from your punjabi so as you have told we have got our own identity it is inbuilt in generations and generations a tamil man will be basically like this means he will be like that his way of looking at certain laws and all the things is totally different but a way of a mp man or a up man looking at your law is different so that's why these are all made as a Uh, by british society you know, for their ruling sake it was uh, they made us one india but as such indian is totally different different mindsets not only mindsets they are culturally 
economically, even thought process wise, totally different. So, you have made a compulsory amalgamation of uh, un, uh, what is it, uh, incompatible groups. So, you okay. made us in India. So, that is the problem. So, the problem is British has made it us in India for administrative purpose because their entire what's your notion was to administer them to collect taxes and the other so for them it was very nice but basically the thing is we are totally different different communities by mind wise by even your genetically we are all totally different so you have made a compulsory marriage of un what is a incompatible groups so naturally this will exist a social program will be very successful in southern states but it will not be that easily successful in northern states. This is a very fact. This is a very simple thing. Whether you are right to agree or not, this is a case. So in such cases, you have made incompatible groups as one. Naturally, this what is a problem of uh, existence will be always there. So and because on these conditions, your social index, your life index, your what is a social programs the way it is implemented, it will be totally different from state to state. With such a thing, how you can make one uh, one possibility, it is very difficult. And uh, there are also some people who are nowadays saying that, oh, always Prime Minister should be in the Northern Belt, oh, we are not eligible. But the number-wise, you are very small. Right. See, it is a very complicated situation. So under these situations, making the social programs to work successfully very difficult and India will not be very easily possible to move forward. So This is my view. Right. So, uh, I mean, me coming into any issue, I think as an engineer, the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity to fix that problem and gain credit. And that's how I approach things. And I think with the way that we have presented this problem, it appears as if India is a... Uh, amalgamation of different cultural groups which as such seems to be pretty well defined by state lines unity in diversity right so there's uh, like mama just said there is unity there is diversity so maybe we gotta think of india less like india but more like the united states of asia in that sense of that word so with that with that uh premise are we considering that india or the united states of asia has an issue with how the constitution is written or how we are uh, representing our politics because in my opinion i would strongly disagree with that and i would also like to uh, disagree with the fact that indians each and every indian is genetically different too i, I am i i do concede that uh, you know we we all don't look the same like a person who is a native from Punjab looks different from a person who is native from Haryana to a person from Nagaland to a person from Kerala to a person from Tamil Nadu. But I don't see how that is a genetic differentiator. The sense of unification is what I feel like is something that is holding India back. And uh, items like religion... I wouldn't say systems like religion and systems like caste are so toxic to the idea of uniting these set of people and obviously there is a problem which uh, I would say education solves sorry this is a problem that education solves but I also feel like this is a problem that resources solve so you don't have to be the smartest tool in the toolbox to be uh, able to contribute or add value to an economy you don't need to be the phd holder or a double uh, master's major or have to teach a class to be able to add value to the economy so is it the issue of how we define the rules of society that is a problem or i'm failing to understand why there is this is not happening organically so the whole reason why I started this podcast, Uncle, just so we're all, uh, you know, rehashing this issue is I'm trying to wonder what happened with my generation, right? The whole idea was our former president who happens to be from our state uh, 
had a vision for 2020 and he figured that China and India were going to be the future superpowers. China is already there. I would say China is the world superpower right now. And India is not even in the top 10, in my opinion. India is struggling to keep up with its own uh, issues and it seems to be heading in the wrong direction for all intents and purposes. So how do we turn this around? Is it a uh, people approach that needs to solve or do we just wait for a uh, unknown hero to show up to take up the presidency or the prime ministership and uh, lead us away from where what we are doing because I feel like that is the direction that India is going into we are looking for a strong man and Narendra Modi seems to be the strong man that seems to answer that call he's come into power he strengthened his party and uh, this is a factual statement this is not my own opinion the Bharatiya Janata Party of India is the second strongest political party in the world when it comes to uh, social influence and money the most strong party in the world is the Chinese Communist Party they have their own army they have their own Navy they have their own uh, you know uh, financial index and they they have their own portfolio of companies after the CCP it is the BJP who is uh, manifested itself as a major uh, political party and a major strongman in the uh, in defining India's direction to the next 20 years. So my question is, uh, I'll put it straight. Will India ever become a superpower? Will India become a superpower under the direction that it's heading in with Narendra Modi and the BJP party behind the wheel? Number one, I will give you some simple, simple examples. I will say, for example, sports. No, I will give you that. Say, are there not 100 efficient runners in India with the 130 crores people? Yeah, there are definitely people are there. But the only thing is selection. When the selection comes, the training comes, your regionalism, your casteism, and your whatever your political relations with the politicians, it comes. So naturally, the selection is not here. It is a pass. It is not a good one. Similarly, you take anything. So only thing is so far, at least as a scientist, I can boast is number one, the space, then this agriculture organization. So when we were there, no, at least you may not be navy. When we were there, we used to get such American price to eat. Now that is not at all there. So these two, three things, because needed, needed, it's a society needed, so people really put those days government put into a new thing. So we were self-sufficient. The rest of the things, after that, when your stomach is full, then you naturally your some politicians, all these things will come. Space, definitely, they have done because there was not much politics in that. We wanted to become one of the super powers in telecommunication. That is there. So except a few, you know what you say, uh, departments, the rest are all just like, uh, okay, a department is run just because it is to be run. That's why government of India is selling all the things. They are inefficient and all. So, okay, I am not going into that thing. For India to become a superpower, it is, I also really feel like, it, of course, it may not be happen in my time, but I like it. But for that, the hurdles are really, very, very, uh, hurdles are really very much. And, you know, so one man, and you know, of course, you were told in you know, a very nice big party and all the things, but I don't have my own reservations and all the things. But India, to become a superpower, you have to really identify and appreciate and respect each, each of the ethnic group and each of the minority group or each of the states because our mindset is totally different. So unless you respect all these things, and take all of the, all the people together, then only you will be able to become very successful. But you are, say for example, all will be under one thing, umbrella and all the things, that won't work in India. Because here, Kerala, you know, even now you can see how the southern states are divided uh, uh, between the northern states. And among the northern states, you see Punjab, Haryana. So it's all different. You see Bengal. So it is totally, each will react in a different way for one for particular law. Because we are totally different. Basically, we have understood, as you have told America, 
See, if you say that one law for all the things, means Americans also won't uh, agree. Right. Because you have to respect each of the states. Right. Right. Unless you do that, it is very, very difficult to go. So, in spite of all these things, America has gone up because you respect each of the states' individuality, sovereignty, whatever you call it. Right. So, unless you do that, it could work in India also. See, you can take America as a model, US as a model, the United States. Similarly, you have to say it is a conglomeration of different ethnic groups, minorities and cultures and all. So you have to respect all, then you have to take, then only it will become. But by doing this, you know, one rule, one thing and all the things, it is very difficult. That is, it's very difficult for Indians to uh, accommodate that. By force, you know, you cannot do for a very long time. Right. So, but you do need force, right? You do need force to, or you do need a massive incentive to throw away your crutches, to throw away your backlog, to move forward. So where does that driving force come from? Does it come from top to bottom or bottom to, it does it come from, yeah, bottom up or top to bottom? Does it come from a single leader or does it come from people? Okay. Okay. So, see, as you have told, you know, we all studied in our schools, you know, uh, what is a, uh, there is a diversity and unity. So, unless you respect the diversity, you cannot have the unity. So, uh, that is my view. As you have told, very simple example is your U.S., where you are there. See, you see, each state has a different thing, but still you are united on certain purposes and it is all put together in unitedly. Similarly, in India also, I have to respect you first. Unless I respect you, you will not listen to me. Even right. if it is a good thing, you will have your own grudge. Whenever there is a chance, you will undercut me. Right. So exactly, this is a human psychology. The same psychology is applied in three groups. By force, suppose you say Texas, you oppress them. You think that Texas will be very happy with you? No. Exactly similar to that. Suppose you are oppressing Carolites. You think that Carolites will not be able to cope up with whatever you say? So, you respect. If I respect you, definitely you will listen to me. See, this is a human psychology. Right. I, uh, I ask you to do that. Just do it. Then you will do it. But you will never put your heart and soul. But instead of that, okay, oh, you are Dr. Kalais and Salina, well, fine, fine. Okay, sir, you do this, can you do this? We respect you. We will put instead of 8 hours, we will put 20 hours to get the thing done. If we force you, you will be, you will be there we are sitting there for 8 hours. Your work will be only for 2 hours. Is it not? This is a human psychology, right? So are Indians this lazy? Psychology applied to them, yes, so are Indians lazy? Uh-huh. So are Indians lazy? So are Indians lacking a, a sense of society because they are so divided? As such, you know, suppose, I am giving an example. Suppose, you know, suppose the same Indian goes to a foreign country, how he works? The same Indian in India, how he works? See, it's not that, you know, because, you know, it's, it's a input. I don't say that you know, the Indians are lazy. As the same Indians will work for 20 hours in a different country. Why? There is some incentive. When you are respected, it is respected, you respect. But when you come to India, you work for 20 hours, 10 hours, your, uh, another person who is favored by your boss will be getting promotion. Yes or no? Right. Uh, I, I so think... that is it. Right. So, so, I think with that, we can... Uh... So, what I learned is, by respecting each other, by respecting your community, by respecting your people, ethnic community, definitely India can power. But apart from that, it is very difficult. It will come, but it will be very tough to do it. So, respecting people, respecting ethnicity, respecting your individuality, only will make India to progress further, and it will be very fast. That right. is my view. Right. So I think with that, we can segue into our topic for episode three. I, I think we briefly touched on uh, corruption and communism and the role communism plays in corruption. And uh, respect is something that feeds into the reason why corruption is so prevalent in India. You don't respect the rules. You don't break 
the you break the law you pay the traffic constable the fine for the day or you know a bribe for the day you move past what you need to do you don't respect the guys ahead of you in the line you pay a bribe you can get ahead the system of corruption and the system of uh, how we are going to address this is what we're going to talk about in the next episode uh, uncle thank you so much for joining us and uh, again thank you mama for mediating so and thank you indians for uh, listening to the second episode of why india will never become a superpower i'll see you on the third episode where we'll discuss the political spectrum of communism and capitalism and where india is right now where india has been and where in what direction india is heading and i think it will be a good conversation all right i'll see you on the next one thank you